Welcome to another story podcast from The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. We are the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told by Katie Burford at our live storytelling event at the end of March when the theme was Second Chances. Katie worked as a journalist for 13 years in the U.S. and Latin America before leaving the field to start a business making ice cream. Her shop, Cream Bean Berry, turns five years old this spring. She's got two boys, Leo 11 and Rex 9, who eat a lot of ice cream. And she's working on a book about her experiences titled Rocky Road. Here's Katie's story. When I was a teenager, I hated my father. My parents were way stricter than any of my friends' parents, and uh, I blamed that on my dad's upbringing, um, which was religious and in a small town. Um, He was raised Catholic in Miami, Oklahoma, which is in the Northeast, and um, is the kind of place that doesn't exist anymore. Um, It was a place where the men worked at the Firestone plant and had good paying jobs and their wives would go down to Main Street to the department store and buy clothes because they could afford them Um, and uh, they could get loans from the bank where my grandpa was the president and um, it was just basically like everybody was up in everybody's stuff, but they walked out, watched out for each other. And uh, that was not what my growing up was like. I grew up in a suburb of Tulsa. And what um, my friends did on the weekends was go into the city. And uh, they would go to this terrible thing called underage clubs. And I really, really wanted to go to one. Um, but I could not, and um, but I tried, and I tried, and I begged, and finally I got permission to go with the stipulation that my mom would pick me up um, at 11 o'clock. And uh, I'll tell you right now, I did not take the route of using this opportunity to prove my trustworthiness and um, why I should be allowed to go forward with this. Instead, I took it as my one and only opportunity to ever go out until I left for college. The, the night started out um, with me and my best friend, Christy, going to Natalie's apartment. And Natalie's apartment was like a place that I had only imagined in my mind, because at Natalie's apartment was the like sancto sanctorum of popular life in at um, my sophomore year, and um, so like to be able to go there and witness it was just like mind blowing, and uh, you know see these kids that I'd only ever like witnessed from afar, and suddenly I was in the mix, and somebody's older brother or sister had gotten alcohol and so um you know we were ready to party we went out in the at the playground of the apartment complex and started drinking and i'd had like sips of wine before but this was like cherry vodka and wine coolers and i just remember like the taste of the cherry vodka like cough syrup like going down my throat and it was like so sweet but then like 
feeling the effects and like all of a sudden like I was not the nervous shy anxious kid that I felt like um, 99% of my life but I was cool I was hip I had jokes to tell and uh, so I was having the best time and so we all pile into uh, this one kid's Bronco and drive into the city and at the club it's just like lights and fake smoke and I like remember like the acrid taste of the smoke and just the music and like Prince like this is what it sounds like when doves cry <laughs> and I it was my favorite song and it was just like this is the most exciting night of my life and it was like I blinked and like Mitzi my friend is like hey we got to go meet your mom it's time to go and I was like, no, it's okay. Just tell her I got a ride home and I'll see her later. And she was like, I don't think this is a really good plan. I was like, no, really, it'll be fine. So she left and uh, we just continued having a good time and uh, eventually ended up back at Natalie's apartment. And um, her, and as soon as I walk in the door, she's like, your mom has been calling nonstop and she's coming to get you. And uh, so sure enough, she shows up and she comes to get not only me, but also Christy, because she'd gotten Christy's parents all worked up about this. And so uh, we're like driving home and I don't really know what to expect. And we drop off Christy and my mom says, you're in big trouble, young lady. And uh, I was like, yeah, I think I understand that. And uh, she's, uh, you know, you're, grounded for a month and uh, I was like okay I probably earned that and she said and you're getting a whooping and I was just like what it's like no <laughs> that's I'm 15 <laughs> that doesn't happen <laughs> like I'm not 10 and I'm uh, certainly not five and uh, and she was like no that's that's your punishment and uh, so we pull up to my house she's like come in and I said no she said I'm going to get your dad and she walked away and I was like what do I do and the next thing I know my feet are moving and I'm running and I just keep running and I'm at the elementary school where I went to school and I'm, I'm like I gotta get out of sight and so I dive in between these buildings and I'm like watching the street and I see headlights as, as she's like circling and eventually I don't see headlights and I'm like, what now? It's like, I'm a, run I'm a runaway. Like, what do I do? Like, I read this book, Go Ask Alice. She, like, takes a bus to New York and works the streets. But, like, I don't know what that means, and I don't have bus money. And so, <laughs> so I guess I'll just go to Christie's house. And so I go down the street and tap on her window and tell her what happened. And she lets me in. Next morning, we hear the phone ringing. And uh, sure enough, it's my parents. They figured out where I went, and my mom's coming to get me. And so we get home, and you know, and I'm just like ready, not really sure for what. And um, you know, my dad says like, "You this," and he's screaming, and I'm screaming. And he said, "You need to have this happen because what you did was really bad." And I said, no, and just something in me snapped. And I was like, if you want to hit me, you hit me in the face. And I just remember his face 
draining of like all resolve and just incomprehension looking at me like, who are you? Like, I don't know you. And he didn't hit me in the face because I knew he wouldn't. And after that, things are really different. I went to underage clubs quite a bit and <laughs> I did pretty much what I wanted. And they occasionally tried to set rules, but I broke them and, and they didn't say anything. Meanwhile, my dad had kind of disappeared. He was always working late or up in Miami tending to uh, my ill grandfather. Um, it wasn't until I went to college that the bombshell hit. He was divorcing my mom to marry my grandfather's nurse. <laughs> that didn't last long. And uh, not long after that, he remarried and to a woman who he's still, re still married to 20 years later. And uh, during most of that time, uh, our relationship was very icy. I felt like he wasn't the father I needed and I wasn't the daughter he wanted. Until a couple of years ago, when I found myself in my own marital, marital crisis and um, I felt really ashamed, I'd come to reckon with the fact that I was not straight, I was the opposite and I felt really terrible about it like I had let everyone down and it was in that dark place that we were able to begin rebuilding our relationship because he knew what that felt like and so at long last we were able to connect in a way that was honest and truthful and um one night, I realized, uh, you know, when my son asked him for a school project, um, for one word to describe himself as a child, he said, rebellious, that he had some own, um, teenage adventures of his own. I, came during, I learned there was one involving the sheriff's daughter and a stuck car. But uh, the, the biggest thing that I learned is that... Um, Honesty, honesty is what builds a relationship and trust. And I now know that I have the dad I need and that I am the daughter that he wants. Thanks, Katie, for telling that story. To hear more stories like this one, subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or Stitcher, where you can also leave comments and share these stories with your friends. And to find out what the themes will be at upcoming events and to pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives live storytelling event, go to our website at ravennarratives.org, check out the events page, and then fill out the form on the contact page to pitch your story. The Raven Narratives also offers group and one-on-one -on -one storytelling services to support organizations and businesses. More on those services is also on our website. You can also see a photo gallery of our storytellers there, taken by the incredible McCarson Lee of Red Scarf Shots Photography. Find out more about her photography services for shooting your portraits or special events at redscarfshots.com. Our theme music was written, composed, and performed by Jazar. 
And you can find out more about his music on SoundCloud or at freemusicarchive.org. Now for an outtake. <laughs> Perfect. Burp, burp, burp. Katie Burford. Make it sound like I'm sad, kind of. Not really, though. <laughs> <That's cute. laughs> I'm an actor. What's that, friend? That's I don't awesome. know. Just another song that just... Popped in it's going to be another top 40 hit <laughs> on totally. the charts. Oh, that's like an original. Sounding Sad When You're Not Really <laughs> by Tom Yoder. Yoder. Original. That's right. <laughs>